Hey there, welcome back. Um, we're still talking about the emotional lives of teens. This is part two. I want to talk to you about two different teenagers as a scenario and just um, give you some information about how to approach kids and the different challenges that they face. So sit down, grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and let's chat. So let's call the first teenager um, Marjorie. This is not a specific person or related to a specific case that I've dealt with with kids, but just an example. So Marjorie is your classical, um, very well-rounded student, uh, has all A's and B's on her report card, has a lot of friends. Most weekends you can find Marjorie on the tennis court, um, killing it on the tennis court, getting outstanding match scores. You may also find Marjorie as the president of the National Honor Society. She is what you describe as a dynamic person. Um, however, you know, privately, Marjorie's life is, is really kind of falling apart in her home. Her parents are on the verge of divorce. She's having a really hard time balancing the demands of being such an amazing student, an amazing athlete with the trauma and the, the discord that's happening in her home. So that's Marjorie. On the other side, you have Ted, who also seems to be a very dynamic um, high school student now has become a 10th grader and has really decided that um, he's struggling with some sexual identity issues, doesn't know where he fits in in, in the group um, that he's been friends with all his life. So these are kids that he played with on the soccer field or on the football field, has um, gone to all the birthday parties, but now isn't sure really how he feels about um, males or females. And so he is also quietly struggling with this um, difference of identity and not feeling like he feels part of the group that he's been part of his whole life. So from those two scenarios, you can see that there are very different ways in which children and teenagers really specifically can deal with um, challenges in their lives. And this, these scenarios are very common among all the teenagers that you can interact with. This could be your child specifically at home. This could be your niece or your nephew that I've described. And so the emotional lives of teenagers are dynamic because this is a time where they're finding themselves. This is a time where they are dealing with lots of demands at school, academic demands, the verge for these particular kids of graduating. So they have, you know, schoolwork that's due for them, but also are dealing with real challenges about who they are who their, their family is and what's happening in real time. We are coming out of a pandemic. All of the teenagers that we know have experienced something that all of us growing up and those in generations prior to us really did not experience a global pandemic. For two years, um, everyone was locked in, in their homes and having to work on assignments at home, having to continue their daily life while the world was pretty much shut down. And so all of the teenagers that we know are dealing with that major trauma in addition to, again, having to meet academic goals. So these are two different examples, but how do we as parents and those who take care of teens and work with teens help them navigate these very real challenges? Because we know September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And so that kind of stress in the private lives of teens without an outlet can be a trigger for something as serious as suicide or the thought of suicide. So it is so important as parents and those who work with teens to give them an outlet 
Um, so I'm going to give you a few tips on how to address uh, these, these needs and how to create an atmosphere where you have open dialogue with your teens so that if they feel this way or are going through a challenge, they know that if nowhere else to go, they can go to you to talk. So the first thing is recognizing that anyone, any teenager is vulnerable. So it doesn't matter whether everything looks perfect on the outside. It doesn't matter whether, you know, the grades are great or the engagement is great or it appears that everything is perfect. In fact, sometimes when things appear perfect, that's where we have an even more difficult time penetrating those walls to talk about those sensitive issues. So we really have to create what we call open safe spaces where all teenagers can really be validated, whether they have the history of perfection or not. On the other side, we know that kids that identify themselves as LGBTQ have a higher rate of depression and suicide associated with that time of trying to find themselves. In fact, 45% of children and teens who identify as LGBTQ have had thoughts of suicide. And that's um, alarming when you think about that, almost half. Half. So then we know immediately red flag, that's a category of teens or kids that are vulnerable. So we want to create safe spaces for them to talk and to um, process their journey. As parents and adults who work with teens, I want to leave you with these three things and we'll kind of break them down um, just to remember. Acceptance is important. Listening is important. Honesty is essential. Normalizing and advocating. So let's kind of go through each of those. Acceptance. When I talk to parents, the hardest thing that they have dealing with a child who was having suicide thoughts, who was perceived as perfect, or one that is dealing with gender identity or sexual identity, who they perceived as a certain way and had certain expectations of that child, is accepting what has happened or what is going on. Because all of us, when we um, raise children, we have expectations of them, we have desires for them, for their lives. And so when those expectations don't necessarily meet what the reality is for us, there is a mourning that goes on. It's a sense of disappointment for some parents to just be really honest. I have heard parents say, what did I do wrong? Why, why did this happen to us? Did we fail? And so rather than focusing on the child or the teenager, the reflection turns back into the parent or to the caregiver to at answer and ask themselves why this happened. And, and we don't want to do that. I mean, that's part of your process of processing. But remember to focus outward because your immediate response is going to affect how that child or that teen approaches you furthermore with issues. So rather than taking the situation and making it about yourself, make it about being accepting of what you have heard. So if that takes you, you know, some time, take a deep breath, give yourself that time. I am big on breathing. Take a deep breath and allow yourself to say, I hear you to this child. Please tell me more. So after you have, with your pause and you're verbalizing what you've heard and asking to hear more, you are now in the position to listen. And what is wonderful about allowing yourself to listen and hear someone else, your child, your teenager, is that it gives you an opportunity to also process. So if you need more time being an active listener, 
okay, I hear you. And how did that make you feel? Asking those questions that are clarifying questions, nodding, leaning in to your child's experience is really important. In addition to that, be honest. You can actually tell your child or your teenager that you don't know how it feels to feel the way they feel. You can say things like, I don't have all the answers because you may not, and that is okay. But let me help you work with you. Let me walk with you to help you get the answers. Because a lot of times as they're reaching out to us, whomever they have trusted with this information about potential suicide thoughts or you know, gender and um, sexual identity questions is someone that they trust. So it is truly an honor. I am thankful that you have felt so comfortable with me that you're sharing with this with me. But I can honestly tell you, I don't know a lot about this experience because I have not walked this journey, but let me, let me walk with you and help you get some answers. So in addition to that, it's important to make sure we normalize, take an opportunity to talk about how feeling sad if your teen is depressed, feeling like the weight is on your shoulders because you have this perfect presentation to the world and it's too much for you. And what's happening at home is too much for you in the example of Marjorie is normal. It is normal to feel overwhelmed. It is normal to feel um, that, that things are too much. So articulating that and sharing that with your teen. I have felt stressed out and I have felt overwhelmed in these situations. It is normal. But what I have done is this to pull myself out of it or to change the direction for myself. I go for a walk. I talk to someone and help them help me to get it off my chest. I, you know, have a good cry. I go for a long run, whatever it is that you do to try to help pivot from that sad place of feeling like you're overwhelmed. Also articulating to the teenager, it's okay to fail. I think we have to normalize failure. We have to normalize depression. We have to normalize all of the weight that we feel that um, is unduly put upon us in society and say, we get it. It's okay to feel like it is too much. It is how we then respond to how we feel when we're overwhelmed. That's critical. In the example for a child who's struggling with gender identity and sexual identity, it's important to normalize that this is something that happens. Um, you know, I know that the issue of gender identity and sexual identity can be very polarized depending on religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs, societal, cultural beliefs. And so that is always um, complicated. Right. So we can acknowledge that. But at the same time, we know that not addressing these issues is truly a life and death matter. I, I started with 45 percent of LGBTQ teens have thought about suicide. So whatever your cultural or spiritual, um, religious feelings about these issues, you have to remember this is your child. And so together you have to meet in a place where you can talk about these things, if not for anything more than saving your child's life. And that is worth everything. So normalizing that. And then reach out to resources that can help your child in a way that you may not be able to. Counselors at the school, um, there is a wonderful, wonderful resource called it's get, it gets better dot org. 
Um, and this is a website, a national website, nonprofit that was started to talk to specifically teens who are dealing with issues, issues about LGBTQ identity realize that things can get better as they get older. There are lots of people with different perspectives on it that can help them navigate what it was like as a teen through the challenges they felt at that time and then show them how they've resolved or improved or addressed or powered through or somehow prayed themselves through, whatever it was that allowed this person now to see things on the other side of that, um, that stress. Wonderful, wonderful resource, itgetsbetter.org. For teens that are struggling with depression and thoughts of suicide, there is nami.org, which is the National Alliance of Mental Health on Mental Health Illness.org, a wonderful, wonderful uh, website with resources for mental health needs. Again, if this is something that your teenager is struggling with in the immediate and they need immediate help, there is a number that they can text called um, 988. It's just 988. You can either call or text on your phone. So that's important. Um, again, we want to be advocates. So how do you advocate for your child? By giving them resources, by putting them in contact with people that can help them, by also telling them that you see them. So remember, we need to be accepting, we need to listen, we need to lean in and be honest with our limitations, but also that we are there to support and walk them through it. We need to normalize and help teens know that struggling with your emotional well-being, struggling with your gender and sexual identity, all of those things are normal and can be navigated with support. Last but not least, we need to advocate. And so I hope that this helped you um, have at least the difficult conversations that you may have with teens about suicide, depression, specifically in the LGBTQ community or with your high performing teenager. And I presented these two teens this way on purpose, because I think a lot of times, especially the teen that is perceived as the perfect child, the, the poster child for how all teens are, gets lost in the conversation about suicide and depression. And I think that as parents, a lot of parents and those that work with teenagers struggle with gender identity and sexual identity, LGBTQ teens. Um, the language of how to address the teenager, the, you know, loss of the expectation of whatever it was you wanted your teen to be. Those are really hard um, hard questions for parents to answer and I've found that they don't have the tools for that. So again, think, listen to this, listen back to it again, start to allow yourself to process how you would navigate these situations. I charge you all to continue to have open dialogue with your teenagers. We talked about episode one. It's easier to have conversation with a teen when you make that a regular routine, starting with those open-ended questions so that when they hit those bumps in the road and difficult times, there's already an open channel for communication. You don't want to come all the way, as we call it, from the left um, about an issue when you've never really just had general conversation. And if you and your teenager are in a difficult spot and don't speak much, start by an offering an olive, olive branch. Start day by day, moment by moment, starting with how was your day? And then you can reconnect. It's also really important to find activities that you all enjoy together. If it's been a while since you've gone to the movies with your teen, take them to the movies. 
if you all have not had dinner together and sat down and like looked at each other over a, a meal, then do that because that's how you will be able to create the space for the conversation. Again, I would encourage you to use your pediatrician as a resource, your family medicine doc as a resource, psychologists at your school. There are so many ways in which you can get support and help, but it starts first with, with conversation. And so I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for hanging out at the Children's Wellness Spot.